You're listening to Joy Coaching America with the Joy Coach, Karen Lynn Grant, spreading upbeat, uplifting, informative messages of hope and happiness from sea to shining sea from our home in the beautiful Rocky Mountains. Welcome to Joy Coaching America with Karen Lynn Grant. And today on our show, we have an amazing man who I have come to really admire for his knowledge about H2O and breath. And so today we're going to be interviewing Lee Edgar. Lee is originally from Oregon and he is a business owner. He works out of St. George and he is also an inventor. He is the inventor of Elastocrete and he attended college at Ricks College as well at Utah State. He has had 20 years studying and experiencing and experimenting with H3O and OH. And we're going to find out all about that in just a minute. Lee is a father. He's a husband. He's got three beautiful daughters. And today we are going to learn so much from Lee. I'm excited to be able to interview you, Lee. I have loved the things that I've learned from you so far. And I just felt that this was such an important subject, especially right now, because we have so many people feeling anxiety and anxiousness in the world today, many of us holding our breath, waiting for the next shoe to drop, the next uh, stone to be thrown. And so today we're going to talk about water and breath and what they have in common. So would you be willing to help us understand some of your expertise with eight, with CO2 and H3O and how you're interested in that? Uh, absolutely. Pleasure to be here with you, Karen. Um uh, my journey with this started about 20 years ago, um, doing experiments um, with water. And um, I became very interested in uh, some of the phenomenons that can happen with water. Um, so we all know water's H2O, but once you dig deeper, it's not really H2O. It's, uh, it's H2O sometimes and sometimes it's hydronium ions where which are h3o and hydroxide ions which are oh um, molecules and the oh has a negative charge on it the hydroxides do um, and then your hydronium has a positive charge um, it's kind of a free proton that jumps around so proton is your hydrogen you know ion and it's the smallest molecule that exists is the positively charged proton um, and water disassociates naturally um, to form H3O and OH. And that's how we measure acidity of different things is by looking at how many of those protons are, are in existence in water. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about pH. Um, pH, you know, a neutral pH is at seven. Um, as things become more alkaline, then they have less hydronium ions, these H3Os. Um, and as um, those hydronium ions increase, then it becomes more acidic. And so when you have acids, acids are actually proton donors. They're hydronium donors and they donate protons. Um, the opposite is, is true of a base or an alkali. An alkali um, donates hydroxides. And so it's the opposite and there's less hydroniums in that water. And so 
our bodies are very unique in that they have a very delicate pH balance that they have to maintain. And our bodies do that through metabolic processes. Um, and, and that metabolic processes, the kidneys are involved, the liver is involved. There's many organs that are involved um, in balancing the amount of alkali in the body and the amount of acid in the body. And our bodies are very unique because they basically consume organic material. And almost all of that organic material is an acid base. Um, and so you have the alkalis to kind of counter and, and, and help regulate those reactions that are taking place. And um, why is you, um, water become such a obsession for me, I guess, uh, would be because of the different things that happen to water at, at different pH levels. Um, and so as water becomes more alkali, it becomes thicker, um, it has more hydroxides present. And hydroxides are very unique in that they'll coat out hydrophilic surfaces. And those are pretty much the surfaces in our body that make contact with water. Each cell has its membrane. Um, every membrane has a hydrophilic surface on it um, that that water coats out. And it doesn't coat it out with H2O. It actually coats it out with hydroxide ions. And those hydroxide ions um, have been studied um, and they create what's called an exclusion zone. And there's a professor, uh, I can't remember his name, that's done a lot of work at Washington State on this. Very interesting stuff that I follow with him. Um, but the, the acid-base relationship is very unique in that as water becomes more acidic, it becomes more fluid. Um, and things dissolve so into it. So is it like thinner water? Yeah, it's like thinner water, if you will. And even when you, when you charge water, either alkaline or, or to a hydronium proton rich water um, or acidic water, whatever you want to call it, that, that uh, changes the properties of the water. Okay. Um, now, the reason that I'm talking about this is because it's intricately related to breath. Okay. And so the, the, my first, um, I guess, path that I followed was understanding this water. Um, I was doing experiments and I realized that you can, you can separate these water um, uh, molecules, these ions, and you can charge water to where it becomes alkaline or you can charge it to where it becomes acidic, if you will. Now the acidic water, it's not a true acid water because I'm not putting an acid into it. I'm just creating extra hydronium ions in this water. And likewise, there's very popular right now for people to alkalize their bodies um, to create this alkaline like, water. Like my Kangen water machine that I had. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and people um, have really caught on to this alkaline craze that's going on. Now, um, from all the research that I've done, um, there are a lot of people who probably won't like it that I'm going to say that I think that that's going the opposite direction that you need to go. And I'm going to kind of explain some of the chemistry of why that's the case. So uh, hydroxides, when I charge water, and I've done this, if I charge water and I make an alkaline water, things actually become less soluble in that water. And the reason is because everything that is in the water gets coated out with these hydroxides. And these hydroxides, they create this exclusion zone. And so they make it so things do not 
permeate through mm -hmm. as easily because it's a thicker water and so it's a thicker water um and so when you charge the water the other direction um i can actually do ex i've done experiments where i can take alkaline charged water dissolve sugar in it or salts um, and then I can take regular neutral pH water and do the same thing. And then I can take hydronium charged water and do the same thing. When I do that, the hydronium water dissolves things much faster. The tap water dissolves things much faster than alkaline charged water does. Mm. And so, um, and I'm going to explain a little bit what's going on there. Now, um, in the body, we have a pH that's slightly alkaline. Most people's blood is at a pH of about 7.4. The cells throughout the body have different pHs and different areas of the body have different pHs. Um, and when that pH changes, it changes what happens in the body. And so I know one of the reasons that alkalizing your body has become very popular is because when you drink alkaline water, it has the ability to raise your blood pH. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's not very many things that it can affect blood pH that you can intake. Um, one of those things is this alkaline water. So when you take an alkaline water, it changes blood pH. Well, what does that do? Um, well, it increases the affinity for oxygen that your hemoglobin has in your blood cells, which at first sight seems like a really positive thing. Um, who doesn't want to have a higher oxygen saturation in their blood? Um, that sounds like a really good thing. But what it also does is it decreases the ability for that hemoglobin to release that oxygen. And what facilitates the release of that oxygen is actually the opposite of the hydroxide ion. It's the hydronium ion. Mm. Now, if you think about antioxidants in the body, uh, the antioxidants in the body, they are essentially these hydronium ions that can neutralize these free radical oxygen species. So you have uric acid, citric acid, ascorbic acid. Those are the main antioxidants that the body uses to neutralize free radical oxygen species. Um, they get neutralized to, um, well, not completely neutralized. They get converted into hydrogen peroxides that then later get processed by the body. Um, but the damage that's done to the cells is actually done by these free radicals. And, um, and so it, the water changing um, its properties happens when it becomes either more acidic or more alkaline. Okay. Now, how does breath tie into all this? Okay. I'm kind of uh, talking about this water. Well, breath ties into this because breath also changes the amount of hydronium ions that are in the blood. Okay. And it doesn't change the amount of hydroxides as it doesn't really function that way. It just functions on the hydronium ions. So what happens? So people who want to alkalize their bodies, the way they can alkalize their bodies is simply doing something called hyperventilation. Now, what is hyperventilation? Hyperventilation is when I'm breathing very quickly. Um, when I'm doing that hyperventilation, I'm just breathing in and out as fast as I can, and I'm getting rid of CO2 as a byproduct of metabolism. And so as we learn about this, this is going to tie into the whole feeling about what can we do to decrease the stress in our lives. And we're going to be right back after the station break.
from sea to shining sea and beyond. You're listening to Joy Coaching America Worldwide with show host and Joy Coach, Karen Lynn Grant. This is Karen Lynn Grant, and we are back with Lee Edgar, who has experience and experimentation with H3O and OH. And right now, we're going to be talking about breath and CO2. That's right. So um, I was just talking about if you want to alkalize your body, the way that you do that is through hyperventilation. Um, Now, everybody's probably experienced hyperventilation, even when you talk a lot and you don't, you know, and you don't slow down your breathing, you can get dizzy, lightheaded. Um, A lot of people could hyperventilate to the point of passing out. Um, And a lot of people do. When people have panic attacks, they'll hyperventilate. Um, And it's kind of a perpetual thing. If you hyperventilate, you'll have a panic attack. When you hyperventilate, your body releases um, stress hormones, um, adrenaline, cortisol, different things like that. Um, All of those things affect your system. And likewise, those being released also affect your breathing. Now, um, the reason that we're talking, we're, I'm, I'm talking about breath basically is what we're trying to talk about here, but I'm trying to give an understanding of how breath works. Um, and so my obsession is with this chemistry of breath, um, and understanding carbon dioxide. Uh, Carbon dioxide is the byproduct from cellular metabolism. When we produce energy, we produce CO2 and water mainly from uh, what we take into our bodies. Now, that CO2 is very unique in that CO2 dissolves into water quite readily, okay? And when it does, it forms an acid that's called carbonic acid. And that carbonic acid creates one hydronium ion for every molecule of CO2 that dissolves into the water. And that CO2 is pretty much an inert gas. It's something that doesn't really react with much of anything. Our bodies actually regulate our breathing, not through oxygen that we have, but rather by the amount of CO2. And it's especially regulated by the concentration of those hydronium ions. And so what happens um, when we hyperventilate? Well, when we hyperventilate, we start getting rid of CO2. And now there's not enough CO2 and our pH actually goes up. Now, when our pH goes up, our hemoglobin, like I said, can absorb more oxygen, but it can't release that oxygen. And that's why when somebody hyperventilates, they actually have 100% oxygen saturation in their blood, yet they will pass out because their body is being starved of oxygen. That's why you pass out which doesn't make a lot of sense, you know, um, on the surface. But once you understand what hydronium does, it get, you'll get a better understanding. So what hydronium does is it makes things more soluble. It makes oxygen permeate through membranes easier. Mm. It helps release oxygen from the hemoglobin. And so as pH drops, you get this increased release of oxygen from the blood. Now, as pH drops too, blood flow to the brain increases. Um, You have, um, you know, dilation of the arteries and veins in the brain and you get more blood flow to the brain. Um, And so when you hyperventilate, the blood tries to go to the muscles because you're having a stress response and a stress response 
if we go back in evolution, a stress response is when a lion's chasing me, I need to run. Fight or flight. You know, I need to fight or flight. Exactly. And so that hyperventilation is there. It's a stress. And that stress is causing me to breathe more. But when I breathe and I exercise, my pH doesn't go up like that because I produce a whole bunch of CO2. And so it actually, when people exercise, when people get into deep exercise, their pH actually drops down to 7.2 when they get into good anaerobic exercise. It drops down to 7.2 from normal, which most people are at 7.4. When you're hyperventilating, it's like 7.45 and above. And so I think that we all live in this chronic state of hyperventilation is what we do. And even though the normal is 7.4, I don't think that's where we're supposed to be. Now, and, we, and it's interesting that there's so much of a difference between you think well, 7.4 or 7.2, that's not that big of a deal, but it absolutely. is a big deal. It is a big deal. And it's a, it's a massive deal on how much oxygen gets to your tissue. Mm. It's massive. So when people exercise and their pH goes down to 7.2, people who don't have their pH get to that level have a buildup of lactic acid. People who get down to 7.2, do not and it doesn't matter if their oxygen saturation is only at 90 percent they're getting plenty of oxygen and they don't have that buildup of lactic acid now lactic acid also provides hydronium ions but it doesn't provide the way we want it to because it's not inert it's going to react it's going to do destructive things to our cells so the the buildup of lactic acid in the body is contrary to what most people think you know they want to alkalize their body to have less lactic acid when in truth the more alkaline your ph is the higher the concentration of lactic acid that's going to build up in your system it's the opposite of what you might think mm. and so when you have a lower ph the efficiency with which oxygen gets into your cells increases exponentially as you go down and so if you want to have enough oxygen into your cells you need to actually have enough co2 in your blood which is counterintuitive because when we think okay everybody the trend is we need to breathe more when the truth is we need to breathe less and because when we breathe less and we slow down our breathing and anybody can do this everybody knows that if you hyperventilate you feel really bad you get into deep meditative breathing, mm -hmm. all the deep meditative breathing, all the different varieties of it. When you study them, they all have one thing in common is that they basically make you breathe less. And way slower, right? Yes. Well, and even the slowness of the breath um, is important. A lot of them have different techniques. Some are going to be where you hold your breath. Some are where you count and you really breathe out slowly, breathe in slowly, deep breathing, shallow breathing. There's a lot of different techniques. The one thing that they have in common is that they bring these incredible benefits to health and they all increase the amount of CO2 retention in your blood, which lowers your pH. When people get into these deep meditative states, their pHs drop down. They're all like 7.25 really interesting how it gets low like that it's similar to doing that exercise it's similar to having those same hmm. benefits to your body you become calm you become relaxed you have all the good hormones are starting to get released at those low ph the oxytocin you know um you're getting uh you know all these really good 
feeling hormones, the serotonin, the different things that really make you feel calm and relaxed. Those are going to happen at your low pH. Um, and the reason that your pH is going down is because you have the ability to control your body pH simply by how you breathe. It's incredible that we've been given this mechanism to control our health. Now, even, uh, even blood pH, uh, when we talk about what's ideal blood pH, um, in the medical industry, we know that what average normal is, is 7.4. Um, we also know that for a fetus, which I hold up as a beacon of what we really should be at, their average blood pH is 7.2 to 7.3 range, you know, 7.25, 7.2. It's different than us as adults. Um, and they have that CO2 retention. That's not from a buildup of lactic acid that their pH is down there. It's because they have more CO2 in their blood. And because they have more CO2 in their blood, then they have more oxygen getting to their tissues. Now, um, it's been well known for a long time. Uh, there's a scientist who did a whole bunch of experiments who, whose name was Bohr. Um, and he discovered the Bohr shift. And the Bohr shift basically means uh, it's the Bohr effect is what it's called. And is as the pH of the blood drops, the oxygenation of the tissue becomes higher. So partly the reason that you have a, a decline in blood saturation when your pH goes down is because that oxygen is actually getting released more efficiently into your cells, which what we're really after is oxygen getting to the tissue. Disease is a cause from a lack of oxygen mm -hmm. in the tissues. Um, I hear again and again and again people saying, you know, cancer cannot survive in an alkaline environment. Well, it does. Your body is slightly alkaline, but cancer cells inside their cells are actually more alkaline than the surrounding cells around them. Now, they produce lactic acid from not having a low enough pH. Hmm. This is fascinating, and I'm a deep relaxation therapist, so for me, this is fascinating to understand what's going on in the water and in the breath. We'll be right back to discuss further with Lee what we can do to increase our health with water and with breath. Welcome to the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Welcome back to Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace, one happy listener at a time. This is Karen Lynn Grant with Joy Coaching America, interviewing Lee Edgar, who is a breath expert and water expert as well. And we're learning what water and breath have in common. This is very fascinating to me. Being a deep relaxation therapist, I'm excited, Lee, to learn from you what we can do in our meditative breathing that will help us actually to get well. So if you would like to start there, what can we do 
in meditative breathing, just when we're driving down the freeway, listening to this radio show that will help us to get well? First of all, um, I think what we can do is uh, there's all kinds of great meditative techniques out there that people can learn. Uh, but basically, you don't really even need those techniques. I think if you, well, you can use all those techniques, but I think to have an understanding, and, and my obsession is with the understanding of what's chemically going on so I know um, where, to, where to point myself. Um, and are, are there a lot of roads that lead to the same place? Yes, absolutely, with meditative breathing. So we all know that there's tons of benefits of meditative breathing, and there's people that teach a lot of things about meditative breathing. And I'm, I'm not an expert on teaching those techniques. I'm an expert on understanding what's going on because of those techniques. And that's important. Um, and so for myself, I have to consciously just remember to breathe less. Everybody wants you to breathe more. And the truth is, is the health comes from lowering your pH, increasing the amount of CO2 in your blood. That's when oxygenation happens. And it's very counterintuitive, but it's very simple. If just test it yourself, hyperventilate for a second, you know, take some deep, just some fast breaths, <laughs> see how you feel. You have a hundred percent oxygen saturation, but you have really poor tissue saturation of that oxygen. Now do the opposite. Breathe in really slow. Breathe in through the nose. The nose actually helps lower that pH in and of itself. It's, it works as a filter. Breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth is the best practice for that deep breathing. And slow down that breathing. And you can do whatever's comfortable. Do counting. You want to slow down that breath as much as you can. And it can get very uncomfortable because we're used to hyperventilating. That's what we do as a, as a human race. We hyperventilate. And the stresses that we feel in life that are new stresses that have not been around, you know, uh, as long as technology has been around. Technology has made us become just in this perpetual stressed mode. And that mode is not one where we're creating a bunch of CO2 to counterbalance that stress. So our pH goes up and our oxygen saturation to our tissue goes way down and it causes all kinds of health problems. It's going to cause us hypertension, you know, heart disease, diabetes. I mean, right on down the line, the efficiency of the cells, if they're not getting the nutrients that they need, it's easy for those cells to get the glucose that they need to get the other things because we eat plenty of everything. <laughs> there's not a lack of us eating enough there's a lack of us getting enough oxygen and that oxygen is the opposite of what most people most people think they need to breathe more when in reality they need to breathe a lot less and so just experiment with this and go ahead and just slow down your breathing slow it down consciously as much as you can and even when you're not doing deep meditative breathing Live in that and just every time you think, think, am I breathing through my nose? If you're breathing through your nose, there's plenty of science out there. There's a wonderful book, Breath, um, by James Nestor that just it. came out mm -hmm. um, that talks all about breathing and all the science behind this breathing. It's really, really fascinating book to read. And there's all kinds of techniques that you can learn in that book as well. 
But the bottom line is, is we just need to breathe a lot less. And by doing that, we create the hydronium molecule. We do. And that's the magic that happens. The CO2 in and of itself is not what's changing the solubility of oxygen or the solubility of the other nutrients that are in the blood. It's the hydronium ion that does that. The hydronium ion changes everything. And that slight change in the hydronium concentration, it changes completely how much oxygen is going to get into that tissue and how easy it is for the CO2 to come out. When I've done my experiments with CO2, when I, I've done experiments and created this hydronium saturation in water. And when I do that, the solubility of CO2 goes through the roof. Um, so does the solubility of oxygen. Um, and when I charge it to alkalinity, it does the exact opposite. Mm. It holds almost none of those things. Um, and so you want to be able to have that pH. I think you want to ideally get to that pH of a fetus. I, I think that's where we began. I think that's where we're supposed to be, but we've hyperventilated and stressed ourselves out. And now our bodies have become accustomed to having a CO2 level to where our bodies want to breathe more and more and more. Um, and our bodies are not used to having a CO2 level. We feel this, this need to breathe. We feel like we're suffocating. When the truth is, if we can overcome that and hold our breaths and slow down our breathing and overcome that, our bodies will get used to a different pattern. And that new pattern is an enlightenment. It is an absolutely life-changing experience. And it's going to change your health. Uh, it's going to change your mental state, um, depression, anxiety. Those are all high pH things. They're hyperventilation. It's acidic. You right? know, uh, no, that's oh, that's your not. alkalinity. That's what we've been your acidity. About. You know, everybody's about alkalinity, alkalinity, alkalinity. When the truth is, um, people are afraid of the word acid. Our bodies are acid reactors. All your antioxidants—they're all acids. You know, why are people so afraid of acids? It's because of lactic acid buildup. And we know that lactic acid buildup does really bad things for our health. But that only occurs when we are in a perpetual state of alkalinity. It's when we have this stress and we are not exercising to bring our pH down that we stay at that high alkalinity. Now, we can't get oxygen to our tissues. What happens when oxygen can't get to the tissues? Our tissues stop doing aerobic metabolism and they go into anaerobic metabolism, which is lactic acid. So glucose gets, instead of getting converted to water and CO2, it gets converted to lactic acid. And that lactic acid then builds up in our system. And then we have to try and process that. And um, it causes all kinds of disease. Stress-related diseases. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, it's, it's, it's the opposite of what almost everybody believes. Almost everybody, you know, um, I follow Wim Hof, who's a great practitioner, teaches wonderful breath techniques about holding his breath and talks about alkalizing the body. Well, the reason they're talking about that is because as your acidity goes down, the ability of you to absorb calcium, which is an alkali, um, that you need potassium to get those things in your body, you can absorb those better when you're not in that chronic hyperventilation state, when you're less alkaline. 
And those are important alkali metals. And so I think people say you're alkalizing your body. Like they say, when you're drinking apple cider vinegar, it alkalizes the body. Well, it only alkalizes in the body in the sense that it gets you to absorb calcium better. It doesn't alkalize the body. Diet does not change that. What changes it is breathing. Hmm, that's breathing. very interesting. But when, you are, when you're hyperventilating, you're changing the pH, and now you can't absorb the nutrients like you're supposed to. You start to have issues. Gastrointestinal issues, they occur when things are more alkaline than they're supposed to be. Uh, infection occurs um, when things are more alkaline, when cells can't get the oxygen that they need. The power of this little proton, what, what runs the sun, that's what we're talking about, is this proton. This proton, it's the starting. It's the element that starts all other elements. It's what everything is made from. And that power of that little proton, that really slight change in pH, it changes everything. It, it changes the way you see the world. So tell us the name of that little proton. That's the hydronium ion. Um, the hydronium ion. That is the game changer. With Lee Edgar coming right back after this station break, we will be learning more how to breathe, and the importance of getting that hydronium ion into our bodies and how we can do that through our breath work. So thank you, Lee. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace, one happy listener at a time. This is Karen Lynn Grant with Joy Coaching America, interviewing Lee Edgar, who has been experimenting with water for many years and with breath. And Lee, I just want to talk to you about what have you noticed as you have been exercising with breathing through your nose and breathing out through your nose with the lactic acid or lack thereof. And tell us about your experience with this breath that you're talking about today. So it's interesting um, how we're supposed to be nose breathers and pretty much none of us are. And so um, I, I read some research um, about breathing through your nose and doing exercise and how it improved performance. And I was like, ah, that can't be, that can't be possible. Um, when I go and exercise, I really feel like I need to breathe through and I get, I even like, you know, lose my breath and I can't catch it when I'm running and everything else. I'm breathing through my mouth and everything else. And so, um, I did an experiment where I decided, okay, I run two miles every morning and I'm going to go and I'm going to try and do this breathing through my nose. Um, and time myself, see how I do compared to my normal time. Um, and so I did that, um, very difficult to do in the beginning. 
Um, and I was breathing out through my mouth and through my nose, even better if I can retain more and breathe in and out through my nose. Um, but that's, I, I haven't mastered that yet. Uh, sometimes I can do that and sometimes I can't. As I did that, um, I got back from my run and um, I was expecting my time to be much slower. And I was very surprised to find out that I had run a minute faster than, than my fastest time. Um, and I had less soreness in my legs, all those different things. Um, and so that's because I'm getting enough oxygen to my tissue by retaining that CO2. It's interesting. It's very counterintuitive that breathing less gets more oxygen into our cells. That's really interesting. It's the opposite of what we would think, but it's it's simple experiment to do is just hyperventilate. See if you, you know, uh, it doesn't work. It doesn't get oxygen to your cells. Holding your breath, you let you, as you hold your breath, you can even do this experiment. As you hold your breath and slow down your breathing, your body temperature will rise. You'll get more circulation into your feet. You get more circulation. Your hands get warmer and your feet get warmer. That's oxygen getting to the tissue. That's what's happening there. Hmm. Um, really fascinating that that's what happens when you slow down your breathing and hold your breath. Uh, very counterintuitive that breathing less gets more oxygen to your cells. If you could take one thing away, breathe less so you can get more oxygen. Yeah. I love it. I think that's fascinating. You were telling me on one of the breaks about the two groups of people that they took up this. Go ahead and share with us. About so, that. so this is an experiment that was done. Um, and what they did is they um, took people into a hyperbaric oxygen chamber, um, but they're not doing hyperbaric oxygen. That's not that. And in one of those chambers, you can reduce the atmosphere or increase the atmosphere. So basically they, they um, uh, mimicked what you get at 10,000 feet in elevation. And at mm -hmm. 10,000 feet in elevation, people get altitude sickness very easily. There's less, the, you know, the concentration's the same. It's still 20.9% oxygen. It's just, it's not as dense. And so we have a harder time when you breathe in, there's not as many oxygen molecules in your lungs. And so it's harder to get as much oxygen. Um, and so what happens too, when we get in high in elevation is CO2 can release from our lungs easier. So it naturally causes our pH to go up, hmm. which makes it so that we can get higher oxygen saturation easier, but it makes it difficult for that oxygen to get to our tissues. And so in this experiment, what they did is they took and they put people with normal air, but 5% CO2. And normal air has 0.04%. It doesn't even have 1% CO2. So they have them have 5% CO2. Now, what, what does that do? That, that increases the amount of CO2 retention in the body because you're breathing in some CO2 as well as trying to get rid of it. And so it makes mm -hmm. it harder to get rid of it. it, builds up in the system. So they had one group breathing 95% pure oxygen and one group breathing 5% CO2 with normal air at high elevation air. And the results were the same. No altitude sickness. They both had the same kind of blood flow, the same kind of oxygen saturation consumption into the tissues and everything else. Um, really interesting um, that you're going to have the same effect by, and, right. they, and, and when you're at high altitude, it's more important for you to hold your breath. I mean, we're here in Utah at a high elevation and we have higher incidences of depression, suicide, anxiety 
than at lower elevations. And I have heard that. It's and and high statistically, altitude. that's what happens. Well, at high altitude, it's much easier to become alkaline hmm. because CO2 escapes easier out of our breath. And so as you go up in elevation, if you go on a plane, your, your pH is going to elevate. And when it does, the ability for oxygen to release goes down and you get less oxygen to your cells. Um, people will get caught up on oxygen saturation in their blood. And, you know, I think you got to kind of not look at that as much as look at slowing down your breathing, lowering your pH. How do you feel? Um, and if you're not feeling very good, if you're feeling lightheaded, dizzy and everything else, you're probably breathing too much. And that's what's causing it. You're getting that's too much air in and out of your lungs and you're getting rid of the CO2 that's going to facilitate the oxygen. It's, it's counterintuitive that CO2 retention equals oxygen to your tissues, but that's what it does. And you were mentioning intermittent fasting. And so how does that tie into all of this? Intermittent fasting is very popular. It's something that, that I do. Uh, it's part of my daily life. I don't eat past seven o'clock PM. That's pretty much my intermittent fasting works very well for me. Um, what does intermittent fasting, what does fasting do? Well, fasting lowers blood pH. It provides more hydronium ions. Um, uh, mm -hmm. A lot of people are familiar with a keto diet, ketoacidosis. What, what does ketoacidosis actually do? Ketoacidosis increases the acidity in the blood. It's in the name ketoacidosis. Uh, these ketones are acids. They provide hydronium ions, which lower pH, which increase oxygen saturation into the tissue. So do you do a keto diet? I do not. No. My diet consists of eating pretty much anything and everything I want within that time frame um, and trying to control my breathing. I think it's much more important how we breathe than actually what we eat. Um, a, not to say that nutrition isn't important. Nutrition is important, but I don't think people understand how much more important breathing is. Correct breathing. Correct breathing. Um, and that correct breathing is very counterintuitive. You know, um, I hear people always say, uh, stop, take a breath, you know, uh, you know, uh, oh, breathe, breathe, breathe. You know, um, really the best advice you can give people if they're freaking out is hold your breath as long as you can because it will calm them down. It will do the things that they really need to happen. Uh, you know, breathing and, and you, deep breathing is important, but it's not as important as, as, as just slowing down overall breathing. If you're not comfortable doing deep breathing and everything else, just slow down your breathing in general. Well, I think this is interesting because we live in a world right now where we're all holding our breath, so to speak, because there's so many things happening, so many unpredictable, uncertain things. I think it's important for everybody to be able to understand this, that this is a principle and it may be, like you say, counterintuitive to what we've been taught or to what our bodies naturally are doing. Uh, you talked about the human race and it is a race. It feels like such a race. And if we can just slow down and take that time to relax and to do the kind of breathing that will help us to, to be joyful, to be light, to be enlightened. So talk a minute about enlightenment and enlightenment through our breathing. Well, um, 
as you can do this breathing and you really slow things down, you can get into these deep meditative states. And these deep meditative states, they are enlightening. Um, it gives you a different perspective on the world because you, you lose, you shed away anxiety and you, you become part of everything um, as a whole. You, you have this profound love and, and gratitude. Um, those, those are feelings that reside at that lower pH that is slowing down the breath, that is uh, being in that place, you know, where you have higher concentrations of that hydronium ion. Um, really fascinating that that's what occurs. You know, Dr. Hawkins said that enlightenment is the highest vibration of all the vibrations. And he was an atheist, but he believed in power versus force. His book, he talks about enlightenment. And I think that is so important when we are all running, we're all so busy to be able to take this breath principle into our lives and to learn about the science, because once you hear it, I probably couldn't repeat this, but uh, because it is so scientific, but it makes sense to me that we all need to take this very mechanism, this involuntary breathing and really understand what we have and how it can increase our metabolism and create those hydronium molecules. So in summary, what would you have our listening audience do? Some are athletic, some are sedentary, but we can all do something. Well, you can increase your metabolism by breathing as much as you can through your nose and as slowly as possible. And you don't have to do meditation. Um, meditation is where you can get deep into that. But just focusing on your breathing and doing that, that's the biggest thing that's going to change your health, mental and physical. I appreciate you being here with us, Lee. I am excited to learn more. I love to study science. I don't always understand it. You have got such an amazing brain for this. And to realize that there's things we can do. I have watched you with the water. I've watched my husband with the water and seeing what happens, sores that are healing and different things that are happening in his body, energy levels that are increasing, and he's looking younger, and I love it. And so today has been very fascinating information. And in closing, do you have a word for the wise? Breathe less. Get more oxygen and breathe less. That would be my, my summation of what all of this is. Um, no matter how you decide to do it, breathe less. Thank you, Lee. We're excited to be here with you today and to learn from your wisdom, years and years of education, learning, and self-study. Thank you. And everybody, let's all raise our vibration to joy. <laughs>